hired by Jesus Himself to be His authorized spokesperson. Um, so as Paul speaks, he's speaking on behalf of God's people to the churches in Jesus' name, communicating uh, the truth to these churches uh, about what, uh, how one is made right with God and how one lives out life as a follower of God. What we saw is that Paul, in this region of uh, what is now modern-day Turkey, Paul had gone through and he'd planted some churches. And he had established these churches on the truth of the gospel, uh, that we are made right with God uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, and what the, these, the members of these churches uh, eagerly received this message at first, but some false teachers later, after Paul was out of the area, crept in. And they began to say, actually, you know what? Uh, it's, it's not enough. Uh, for you to just just trust in Jesus and what He's done for you, you gotta you gotta add to it. You need to keep uh, the the old covenant laws, the laws particularly of circumcision and these pu- uh, food and purity laws. You Gentiles, if you want to be full members of the people of God that are del- delighted in by the heavenly Father, then you must do this stuff to merit uh, acceptance into His family. And Paul has written this letter to communicate as much as he can, sometimes with uh, strong and what uh, and harsh language, to show them uh, the corrupting effects of of the false gospel of legalism, and to emphasize and point them to the truth that it is only through the true gospel of Christ that transformation occurs. And so, as Paul wraps up uh, this letter. Uh, that is what he's going to emphasize. He wants to point out, as he summarizes and brings this letter to a close, the, the corrupting effects of false gospel and the transforming power of the true gospel. Um, so let's uh, look at this passage together. Um, if you want to follow along, um, we're, this will be on page 975 if you're following along with one of the Bibles there in your seats. We'll be looking at Galatians chapter 6. Verses 11 through 18. Um, So if you would, follow along with me as we hear from the Word of God this morning. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Uh, We thank You that You, Holy Spirit, 
apply this living and active Word of God to the hearts and lives of your people. And we ask that you would do that this morning for the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen. So Paul here is wanting to emphasize and draw to uh, his readers, his listeners' attention uh, the, the, the main points that he's been trying to point out to them through uh, this whole letter. Uh, to move them and, and uh, hopefully help them to see that trusting in a false gospel results in nothing but corruption. And hope in Christ is where true transformation can occur. In fact, uh, he signals to them, uh, you may wonder why verse 11 talks about Paul writing with large letters. Well, usually when these uh, uh, letters were composed, Paul would have dictated them to a professional writer. Um, If you've seen my handwriting and you got a letter from me, you would probably appreciate that if I had gotten somebody professionally to write it for me as well, because... even this past week, I was helping Beckett with his handwriting, telling him he needed to work on it a little bit. And then he saw something I wrote. And his question was, how come you write so messy? Uh, and so Paul here is saying he's signaling to the listeners, because remember, this would have been read out in the church. They wouldn't have necessarily been reading it. A reader, a leader in the church would have been reading it out. It was signaled, hey, Paul is bringing this to a close. He's taking the pen and he's writing this. Know that he's summarizing what's going on. And here he's wanting to emphasize to the people how corrupting a false gospel can be. I want you to think about this. Think about you have uh, um, you've just bought a new home. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, you got a... You got a home inspection, but uh, the, the inspector missed something. Something very, very, very important. That in every single one of your walls uh, is tons and tons of termite damage. Not just old damage, but active termites. It, this, it, even if you're, if you're standing in your kitchen, you just hear crunch, 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 crunch. Because they're eating, deteriorating, corrupting the entire foundation and structure of your home. So you call a contractor and he says, don't worry. I'll take complete care of it. It'll look like new when I'm done. And so uh, he comes in and right now you, the walls are all ripped down because you, the, these termites have been exposed. And so you leave, you move out for a while while he comes and does his work. And you come back in after he's finished. And it looks amazing. It's incredible. It looks even better than it looked before. The sheetrock is new. There's nice tile everywhere. The molding is immaculate. But after a couple of weeks, you start realizing, man, my floors are still, they're sagging. This wall, it won't even hold up a picture. My doors, my windows won't open up anymore. Because what you realize occurred is he just was focusing on the way that things looked on the outside. He covered up the issues. He put up brand new sheetrock, brand new tile, incredible paint job everywhere. But he was only focusing on the outside and he didn't address the source of the corruption at the heart of the issues of your home. And what ends up happening is is that corruption continues to spread and within a year, your home is worth nothing. That is what 
these false teachers are doing and communicating and offering to the churches in Galatia. Notice, as Paul is seeking to emphasize the corrupting effects of the false gospel, the first thing that he wants to point is that it leaves us in our corruption, just as that housing contractor left this home in a state of corruption, even if it looked good on the outside. Notice in verse 12 and 13, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And then again in verse 13, for even those who are circumcised themselves do not keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now, Paul emphasizing this terminology of the flesh again, of th- that these false teachers are wanting to make a good showing in the flesh, that they're wanting to communicate and pass on and get the, the people of the church in Galatia to buy into circumcision and these other uh, laws that Jesus has fulfilled and done away with that they would make a good showing in their flesh as well. The outward evidences of these things. That is their focus. Their primary and only focus, Paul is saying, is on these externals. Just on what is on the outside. But Paul says, look, when they're focusing just on the outside stuff, the going through the motions, the actions, it's powerless. Powerless to change the heart. Look in verse 13. For even those who are circumcised, the ones who are proclaiming it, because these would have been, we've called them Judaizers, who have come in and tried to convince these Gentiles that they need to be circumcised like they are to be full heirs of Abraham's covenant that God gave to him, to be full members of God's people. Paul's saying, look at them. They've been circumcised, but they themselves do not keep the law. But, but they're boasting in the fact that they do keep the law. What's Paul getting at? Remember, as Paul has been expressing to us and communicating to us, the law that, that he is calling God's people to live has been focusing on the law of, of Christ. One that's focused on seeing, not uh, relying on myself, not focused on myself, but just as Jesus has given himself for me, I give myself on behalf of others. I'm seeking to love in response to the God who has served me. And I love God and I love others. And it seeks to to fulfill every aspect of the law that God has given us to direct and order our lives before Him and with others. Uh, Paul is saying, look, it has had no effect. They cannot keep the law. Because it has not dealt with these externals that they're going through. And the, this good news, this false good news that they've been proclaiming has no effect on the heart. And they are really, it may look good on the outside, but they are unchanged. Notice how he emphasizes this in verse uh, 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation Your circumcision has done nothing for you, Paul says. It's just on the outside. Think think about for for us, what what would be things that that we could cling to? That we would say, 
This is what I'm holding to, these externals that I'm trying to to do and, and live out in my life thinking that I'm meriting more favor before God. That because I do this or I live in a certain way or I act and do certain things in my relationships with other people, that God delights in me. He's pleased with me. He accepts me. We can buy into a lot of different things. For them, a circumcision. Maybe this morning you thought by giving money in this offering plate, it counted for something as far as it relates to you meriting something before God. Paul would say, no. Your giving is nothing as it relates to you being accepted by God. He does not love you more or less because of what you gave or did not give in the offering plate this morning. What about evangelism? Do you think that God loves you more and you are accepted more by Him because you share the Gospel with your friends and neighbors? That's what Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that they can become a friend of God just like Abraham was a friend of God as they tell other people about Jesus. That's why they come to your door so frequently because they think that their salvation depends upon it. Your evangelism counts for nothing as far as you meriting any kind of favor or salvation before God. We can put anything in this category. Your sports performance that you build your identity on, your academic performance, your job status, people's perspective of you, the way you vote, your financial stewardship. It doesn't matter how little debt you have. God is not pleased with you anymore because of uh, the zero finance charges that come on your credit card each month. And He is not displeased with you and have you moved down uh, an inch in your status as His beloved children if your uh, credit card payment is more than your mortgage. You, it counts for nothing. Circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for nothing, Paul is saying. The false gospel that those things actually do something result in nothing as far as changing your heart. You would still remain and leave us in our corruption. But Paul goes on. It's not just that this false gospel leaves us in our corruption, but the false gospel corrupts our values of others. Remember, the law of Christ is one that is fulfilled through us responding to the grace and mercies that have been extended to us in Jesus. And therefore, in light of what He has done, we give ourselves on behalf of others. We realize the the love that's been extended to us in Christ. We see others that God has extended and given His life to die for and save. And therefore, we want to. We see them as being valuable and precious in His sight. And we want to give ourselves to love and care for them. Notice the effects of the false gospel, though. A false gospel corrupts our value of others. Notice that it is all about self, self, self. Because the false gospel says it's based on what you do. That you, in your own strength, your own power, your uh, self-control, your 
uh, ability to do can merit you acceptance, delight, the love of God through what you do. That message points you to yourself and your value of others is corrupted. Look at how it's happened with uh, these folks here. Notice, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And it goes on. Even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. As they're coming and they're sharing this message, this good news of legalism to the, the people who are in, in Galatia, you realize and see that based on what Paul's saying, they have no love or concern for the people in this church at all. They desire to save their own skin because uh, what was going on was uh, the um, uh, Jews in Jerusalem were beginning to uh, reach out and persecute uh, this, uh, the, the Jews who were embracing and hoping and trusting in Jesus, especially as the, the message of the gospel went out and they were bringing Gentiles into the church and not requiring them to, uh, to follow all of the, the purity laws of the Old Testament. So they were facing uh, persecution. And so these uh, Jews who had come to trust in Jesus were now trying to convince Gentiles to be circumcised. They were saying it so that you would be accepted as a full member of God's people. But what Paul is saying, the motivation of their heart is so that they would not suffer, so that they would escape persecution. They just want to see these Gentiles come to know the good news so that they can boast and talk about how good they are for the work that they've done in ministering to these Gentiles. You see, when you approach somebody motivated by works, what uh, kind of status or appreciation or celebration you'll get for it, it doesn't really matter what you do for them. It's not done in love. Your concern and your focus is on doing what you can for yourself even if on the outside it looks like your concern is for them. Think about evangelism. Think about the, what we just talked about before with a Jehovah's Witness, who your main goal is I'm out here sharing this so that I can check off back at the kingdom hall that I've done my work, I've communicated and shared the gospel with this many people, and it's given me this many points, not that they keep points, but that same kind of concept, and God will be pleased with me. And if I continue to do it, I will be a friend of God. What kind of love and concern do you have for the person who is uh, your neighbor? It's not motivated by love at all because the false gospel corrupts your value of others. The other people are just seen as a means to which you can gain your merit and your status before God. Do you fall in the same place? What about the motivations for us, for why we love and serve our, our wives or our husbands, for why we extend compassion or keep our mouths shut at work when somebody's ragging on us and we really want to lash out with, with this and put them in their place, but we don't do it because we know that could cost us a good evaluation on our next um, uh, review. And it could mean I might not get the, the promotion that I wanted. Or this could cost me some, uh, some bonus at the end of the, the year. Or if 
We talked about this a little, uh, a little last week. When your kids, when your parents are watching, especially maybe when it gets close to birthday or, or Christmas, and you know they're watching, and so you do all that you can to serve and help around the house, but if nobody's watching, you're not doing what you know your parents would want you to do. Because what does it matter? It's not gaining me any points. If they're not seeing it, I'm no better off in their eyes. So why do it? What's the motivation? It's corrupted your value. If you're thinking it's through what I do that merits me favor in God's sight and the sight of others in God's family, then what that false gospel has done is it's others have become a means to you gratifying and protecting and saving yourself. And we don't see the value that others have. We don't do anything for anybody else because we love them. Because we're concerned about them. Paul is saying, be warned of a false gospel. It it might not look like it on the front. From the beginning, you may think, I'm just living a holy and righteous life. I'm doing what God is calling me to do. But Paul is saying, beware. Because the false gospel will slowly creep in and begin to corrupt your value of others. But it's not just them. Paul says the false gospel also corrupts our value of Jesus. Notice verse 12. They want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The false gospel proclaims to you a Jesus that uh, is not worth suffering and dying for. Why? Why? Because he's not ultimately sufficient and great and glorious because you needed to contribute to what happened. He needed your help. There's a, uh, a new um, ad campaign going out that AT&T is putting on. Uh, and one of them, uh, there's a, a guy who comes into a mechanic shop and he says, hey, um, uh, are you... Uh, are y'all a good brake repair uh, company? And the guy goes, well, we're okay. And he goes, okay? And the mechanic goes back, yeah. I mean, our motto is, if your brakes don't stop your car, something else will. <laughs> and then the, the, the line comes up that says, uh, oh, just okay is not Okay. If you just see Jesus as just being okay, is He really worth you entrusting yourself to? In the midst of suffering? In the midst of difficulty? In the midst of struggle? But if He is the ultimate one, the sufficient and only Savior who is the only one who can deliver you, and what is it worth giving up for him? Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever purchased a, a Groupon or used restaurant.com to get some coupons to go to restaurants. A lot of times when restaurants are trying to just get started, they give you these to try to attract business. We've used them. Uh, but this is what a lot of studies have, have said is you go in, you use this coupon the first time. Let's say you get your meal and it's $25 off if you spend 35 And you're like, man, that was awesome. 
but then what happens is when you, when you go back the next time and you don't have the coupon and it's not available anymore, you get the bill and you're like, oh man, last time I, I got this meal for 20 bucks. Now I'm having to spend 40? It's just not, this is not worth it. The first way the value was and what was communicated to you, and then when it comes time for you to actually uh, understand the real cost of what it is that's on offer, your value of that has been so affected that you don't see it as being worth paying what is necessary for that meal anymore. What, what these false teachers are doing is offering a Groupon Jesus. That he's okay. And... When you put your effort and your works along with Him, He will redeem you. But if that is your value and your perception of how great Jesus is, how sufficient Jesus is, how significant Jesus is, then when it comes time to really pay the cost and understand uh, what it may mean for you to follow Jesus, and okay, Jesus isn't, isn't good enough. Do you really... You might begin to think, well... It's not really worth doing that if I had to contribute all of this in my own life in order to be redeemed to begin with. Paul is saying, be aware. Be aware of the corrupting power of this false gospel that leaves you in your corruption, that corrupts your value of others and corrupts your value of Jesus. Um, uh, But Paul is... Not just pointing out how poor this false gospel is, but Paul wants to celebrate the good news of the true gospel, the transformative power of the true gospel. Um, back in uh, when when I was growing up, there was. It had uh, almost 450 horsepower with 0 to 60 in the low 4 seconds and retailed for uh, $400,000. Some people paid upwards of $3.6 million for one of these. Now, uh, you can, there, there was another option for one who had a Fiero budget but wanted the look of the F. Anything with any kind of 
you transform a, a Fiero into a Ferrari. But what if there was that? What if there was something you could buy that could actually transform a $13,000 car into the performance and style of a million dollar car? Amazing. Not that it just would look like it on the outside, but that it would be completely transformed. Oh, it wouldn't cease to be a car. It would still be a car, but it would be a new creation. That's what Paul is talking about. The
verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying when you understand Jesus to be like this, he's worth boasting everything about. Jesus isn't just okay. So just being okay isn't okay. Paul is saying if this is what Jesus does, if this is what Jesus can accomplish, then everything about me will boast and glory and celebrate Christ. It's not just, as Paul is talking here, it's not just that we're speaking words of boasting, but Paul is speaking of a transformation that goes deep into our heart. And so our delight, our passion, our excitement about Jesus and who he is is so overwhelming that we can't help but do anything but celebrate and delight and worship him. If Jesus, the one who would God would take on flesh. He would suffer in our place. He would die the death we deserve. He would rise and we would have new life. He would return again to restore and make all things new that we could be with him. In the face of the fact that we even talked about this morning, it was while we were sinners and rebels that Jesus did this. Completely in the face of our inability or desire, Jesus deserves all of our boasting and all of our praise. So much so that Paul says, even if it causes me to, to suffer, I'm willing to do it. Look at verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. In contrast to the false teachers who were seeking to avoid persecution and suffering, Paul is saying, I've suffered. I've suffered at the hands of uh, those who would want to assault me because of my faith in Christ. Is Paul here boasting and saying, look, look at me. Look at how much I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much, I'm willing to suffer for him. Look at these scars. Look at these uh, uh, these wounds that I have. No. What Paul is saying to us, don't you see how much Jesus is worth suffering for? What he has done for you, what you couldn't do, the focus shifts Peace. You can rest assured. If you're, if you're sad, if 